Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The video serves the purpose that it was supposed to serve. And it had me in the same mind state of like, wow, this is terrible. This is awful. And by the way, it is terrible and it is awful. Even when we make a run, we can't get a stop. We're not ready yet. Honestly, we're just not. We're not ready to win yet. Oh yeah, that's my favorite saying. I had one coach, um, and he used to say, "Put yourself in situations where you're not in, you're not comfortable." Oh Play yeah, that's my favorite saying. It is a question uh, not related to the game, but since it has been a lot of publicity yesterday and today about Godfather Part Two, which is the the scene or or the moment or the phrase or the quote you like more from the movie? Oh, from the Godfather. Uh, um, it's, it's too many different phrases uh, and too many different lines in that movie to just uh, categorize one. But which is the one which inspirates you? I mean, each movie is nine hours long. I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I don't know. I'll let you pick one and I'll roll with it. It's, it's a great trilogy. I watched the whole game. I seen the whole game. I was at home watching the game. And, you know, I said he was going to before the game even started, when I seen, uh, I said he was probably gonna score 70 tonight. I don't, I don't know what made me say that. And my friends was with me, and they was like, "Okay." So when he got to like 70, I, I was like, "Well, he might as well go for 80 now." So I mean, I'm a fan of the game. Two percent of Liverpool. How does that come about? I read about the the, the franchise and, and, and how uh, amazing it is, um, you know. And I actually made a trip over. Uh, you know, to Liverpool as well, and, and, and see all the sights and, and the arena and, and everything. Um, so it was pretty, pretty unique. Yeah, Crouchy is actually a Liverpool legend. He used to play there. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, I knew that. No, absolutely. And I saw, and I, I saw the clip of that too. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to actually see the game live, but um, I saw that he was able to score one in the, in the, in the match the other day, and I thought that was uh, it's pretty unique. The fact that he would do that and also be with Liverpool Football Club. I've been listening to those guys for. So long. I was listening to those guys when I my first year with the Heat in 2010. You can ask any one of my teammates back then, they had no idea what Amigos was. They were like cursing me out when I would play it throughout the weight room or play it throughout the locker room. I was like, I'm telling you, these guys are next. I'm letting you know right now, you they like turn this off. I never, I never wanted this for you. I worked my whole life. I don't apologize. Take care of my family. And I refused. Be a fool. Dancing on the string, held by all those big shots. Governor Corleone, something. Another person of Oh, yeah, that's my favorite saying. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comic is. Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs like the most in his bracket, I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than shit. With David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then yeah. it happened.
lights out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. It was popping in there. And Marcus Thompson. I just can't get with this idea of taking one hour of content yeah. and finding the morsel that might pop and blowing at it. Welcome to Hoop 5, 4, we have ignition. And it is another edition of Hoops. Jason, Jason. 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 And it is another Hoops Adjacent episode of the Athletic NBA Show. David Aldridge here in D.C. Our man is back. Our dude, Michael Lee. Now with the Washington Post. What's up, Mr. Lee, old friend? Man, it's crazy. It's great. It's great to be on, man. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a while. Uh, it's been two years. So yeah, uh, I'm excited that you uh, asked me to come back on and kick it with you for a little bit. Absolutely, man. Marcus is out doing the Lord's work and on election day, so it's all good. That is great. Yeah, exactly. But look, man, we'll have Kelsey Russo on in a second, and this will this will come out after election day. But y'all need. I hope y'all voted. I'll just say. I'll just leave it at that. Y'all better have voted. Well, I'm gonna personally come yeah. to everybody's house and. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael, Michael, let's let's do real quick. Um, the World Series ended. I know you are a KC Royals fan. You've got your chip, but Dusty Baker I finally did. got his. So, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, I I don't know if I've ever. Uh, I mean, I live in Philadelphia area right now, so the city was just buzzing the whole time through their their run, and it was such a phenomenal run. I got caught up in it. My kids got caught up in it, and so I was like, oh man. Uh, I like to see the Phillies win, but I really want to see Dusty get one because he's been through so much. And like, you know, about all the heartbreaking, you know, stories and all the the games from, you know, Bartman and, you know, on down and, yeah. you know, having Barry Bonds in, in 2002 and not coming through. And, you know, you, you hear so much that, you know, you can't get it done. You can't get it done. And um, he's just such a great person. Yes, you know, I've, I was fortunate enough to um, talk to him a couple of years ago after uh, Dave Roberts uh, mm-hmm. won the World Series mm-hmm. and he had broken the 27 year gap from Cito Gaston, right. who was the first uh, black manager to win the World Series. And I spoke to B- Dusty then, you know, about, you know, what what it meant for Dave Roberts to get there. And he actually played with Cito Gaston. Um, so he, he was somebody that he looked up to and admired. And uh, eventually the conversation sort of swung back to Okay, now when when you're gonna get yours, <laughs> you know, and he he had just been hired to clean up that mess in yeah, Houston, yeah. Um, and you know, coming back from all that, and um, and I remember he he just said that you know he he's still gonna chase that ring, you know, because it's all about perseverance, and that you know his dad had taught him that you know perseverance and character will get you through life, and you know that builds you that builds up hope, and he said I, I got as much as anybody around, yeah. and you know for somebody to be 73 years old still at it still you know, lively, still animated, still, um, still, uh, just into the game and into just connecting with people and forming, building friendships. I can't imagine, I can't think of another manager who I wanted to win more than him. So even though like in my house, the, the, uh, they were disappointed to see the Phillies run come to an end. I was the only one in there. I was like, uh, yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was rooting for Dusty. I was not rooting for the Astros, and I'll make that distinction without blinking. <laughs> um, I don't care about the Astros. I care about Dusty Baker because I thought 
he got a raw deal here in D.C. He won 97 games yeah. and he won 95 games, went to the playoffs twice <laughs> and got fired, basically. <laughs> like, like yeah. huh? What? Um, but that's how it goes sometimes. Um, and you're like you, I talked to him, went down to Florida right after he had gotten hired by the Astros. It was spring training, his first spring training down there and couldn't have been more gracious. And that was the year after the Nats had won the World Series. And so oh, the yeah. premise of the story was, do you think – you had anything to do with this. And he was very magnanimous about it and said, well, maybe I had a little small part to play with it and teaching him a couple of things, but he gave credit to Davey Martinez and to Mike Rizzo and to everybody else. And I just, he just always was a high character, as you mentioned, guy, you know? And so, you know, there were so many people in baseball rooting for him because he really does connect all the way back to the Negro leagues, you know, knowing, having a relationship with South Chatsel page, for example, just, yeah, you know what I mean? Like Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron you know, I so mean, I mean, it, cause he, he was like, I never really talked to him before. And he's telling me stories about how he used to read Hank Aaron's letters, yeah, yeah. Um, the hate mail yeah. that, you know, he, he said that, you know, when Hank would get those, those, mail, those, those letters, you know, he would just look at, I could see him reading. And he said, he knew that he got a bad one when he would just crumple it up and just head to the, um, you know, head back, head to the back room. Right. And he said he would go to the trash can and pull out, you know, some of those letters and read for himself what fans were saying to him or were not fans, mm-hmm. but, you know, what a lot of the really angry people that were sending to him. And he said he just couldn't imagine being in that position. Yeah. You know, you work your whole life, you know, to be the greatest and to be the best at your profession. And once you get to this point where you're about to break the, this record that nobody thinks you can break, you got all of these people just trying to bring you down and tear you down and try to make you less human. And mm-hmm. it was just such a, I mean, I, like, just think about that. Yeah, like I, all you've yes. done is just aspired to be great and to be the best. And somebody doesn't want you to achieve this just because they don't like the way you look. And um, so he, he, he got to witness that and he's got a cool story, man. Like not who, who can say that, you know, at least even if it's not true, <laughs> but the story of the high five started with you. It may be apocryphal, but it's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story. Like, yeah, I invented the high five, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and so, and he got that toothpick going. Right. He just, he just looks like somebody you want to hang out that the uncle you want to hang out with, like all exactly. the time. Exactly. He's your and, cool uh, uncle. You know, like yeah. he just always looks good and has, a, has good stories to tell and just a good man. And I was happy for him like you were. And a lot of people in baseball were, um, so Shout out to Dusty Baker. Hope he's enjoying it. I'm sure he's back in Sacramento, which is his hometown, yeah. which is where Kelsey Russo is now. <laughs> Hi, Kelsey. Oh, snap. <laughs> see, I, see, I tied it all together. See, what a transition. Look at that transition. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame, people. That's, that's why he's in the Hall of Fame, because he can flip it like that. Kels, thank you for doing this from the airport. That's very nice of you. <laughs> oh, of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you are... Kelsey, I went to bed last night because your boys were up 13 with five minutes to go. I said, game over. Yeah. Let me get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. What happened? And then and then it didn't happen. Yeah. I, I was trying to stay awake because uh, it was, you know, 1 a.m. in Cleveland, Ohio. And I was like, it is so late. But a couple, you know, fourth quarter meltdown uh, happens for them. Um it was a good learning experience though. They needed that. So it was, it was an interesting, interesting fourth quarter to watch. Yeah. I mean, well, like you said, they're, it's, it's hard to remember because they've gotten off to such a great start and their numbers yeah. across the board are so fantastic. Um, especially at the defensive end, but 
the core group is really young still, you know, mm-hmm. like, like Jer- what's how old is Jared Ellen? Like 26, maybe? 24. 24. He's 24. That's crazy. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. You know, so um, what have you seen so far from them that that is transferable and can be extended through the course of a season and into the playoffs? Yeah, and I, I I know it sounds like coach speak, but um, I really do think their their chemistry on the floor, the way that they play with one another, they want to play with one another. There's like a willingness on the floor to to move the ball, to like get open shots for guys, like, and there's just kind of this this genuine like care to play together, yeah. and that translates really well, like to the floor and and how they how you know, Donovan like will create or facilitate and find guys for shots. Darius does the same. Karis is doing that as well. Like he's averaging, I forget what his averaging is, but like he's finding guys for open shots. Um, there's just kind of this like willingness to play with one another. Um, but I think as well, like they're like you touched on Dave, they're they're defense like they built this team last year on being a really strong defensive team and that was their mentality that was their um their identity and that has translated into this year and continuing and I think we've seen how that is really like effective for them and it creates offense for them um I mean I think right now their their defensive rating is 104.7 it's second in the league you know and so like that's who they want to be is they believe that their defense will translate to offense and will help kind of lead them to success. And the buy-in I think as well on that factor of, you know, from guys like Donovan, from Darius, from Karis at the three, you know, it's not just Jared and Evan um, in the front court that are like protecting the paint and protecting the rim. Like it's everybody is giving their best effort and, contesting shots and blocking shots and getting deflections, you know, and, and just kind of doing whatever they can um, to be a strong defensive team. So that I think is what's really going to translate throughout the course of the season to playoffs and really help them, you know, see the level of success they can see the season. Getting back to last night, you know, that's a kind of disappointing loss and, you know, you're in control the whole time and then it just gets away from you. Who takes responsibility in a situation like that? Because it's such a young team, but it also is a new team. And you would sort of assume that Donovan Mitchell will eventually become like a leader because of his status as an all-star and just what he's done in the league. But who takes on that responsibility and how do you see that kind of leadership developing with that team? Because, you know, Kevin Love is the guy with the ring and he's the guy that's been there so long. But the, their best players are, like you said, guys in the early 20s. So Yeah, I think, I mean when I looked, when I watched post game last night, you know, a lot of guys took responsibility for it. It was kind of a collective, you know, the turnovers, you know, or just bad, you know, they, they, I don't know. They just didn't play very well in those, that, that, that stretch of the, of the game. And so it was a collective understanding that we didn't play to a standard that they want to play to. Um, and so I think, I think that's the way that they do need to do it is it needs, it can't be like, Oh, he messed up. I'm fine. Kind of thing. Like it needs to be a collective, like, Hey, we we're in this together. We play together. So we're going to take responsibility of these mistakes together. And I mean, um, I will say like, you know, Donovan and Darius, like take a ton of responsibility. Like they are, they are two really strong leaders and voices on this team. Um, but, um, Jared Allen as well, like he, he's a big leader by example. Um, he's not necessarily the most like vocal, but he, does a lot by through his example. And so I think there's different ways that guys take that leadership role on, on the court, off the court, and but it all kind of translates together. But yeah, I think, I think last night, I don't, I, my perspective, I didn't see it as like one person, yeah. you know, it kind of, 
led to it. It was sort of this collective breakdown um, in the fourth quarter. So something for them to learn from of, you know, of, of how to close fourth quarters on a second game of a back-to-back in that type of environment, um, I think is good for them to like to learn. Yeah, and especially against a, a really good team, because if you get to the second round, guess what? You're going to be playing a really good team on the road and you're going to have to figure out how to close them out, right? If you have, And you won't be up by 13 in all likelihood. You'll be up by four and you're going to have to figure out how to finish the game. I was fascinated, you know, after the trade, just not from... <laughs> I wondered how Donovan and Darius would figure it out together because neither one of them is a stopper, let's be honest, defensively, <laughs> but but how they would figure out how to play with each other and, you know, kind of help each other out in different ways over the floor. How have you seen that that relationship grow so far? Yeah, it's been really cool to watch. Um, so they worked out this summer together before the trade, you know, and so it was very coincidental. They would just were in the same place working out. Um, and so they started to build like, a, you know, that camaraderie then. Um, but going back, like I go back to what I already used, but there's there there's such a willingness for the two of them to help one another mm-hmm. that like they're 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 helping each other find shots they're passing extra where they're like okay you take a shot you take a shot and um but they want to figure it out and so i think that willingness really has translated because they want to create this dynamic backcourt they want their skill sets to mesh together and honestly like i know darius obviously was hurt got hurt that first game of the season but um, when he came back, like, I feel like it has been really seamless and just the way that there's a dynamic, like, like element to their offense of the, the, the ball movement, the way that there isn't this like, okay, your turn, my turn, like, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to take a shot. Like they are just sort of reading what the defenses are giving them. They're finding those open opportunities for whoever it is. And they're just going and knocking them down. So, um, I think it's like just this real, like, they want to lead this team and they want to work together. And so there's just kind of this, this will for lack of a better word to do that. And so they are, I guess it helps them when you're both, when you're both, you've already gotten paid, right? So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, that does help. There's no issues there. Yeah. When, when I, when I look at the Cavs, I, I see a, a really fun team, a really exciting team, especially starting with that backcourt. But, you know, there is always that concern about, a small backcourt, you know, because, you know, people say, oh, you know, Steph Curry is like the little guard, you know, who was able to win a championship, but he also had a pretty big guard alongside him and Clay Thompson. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of questions about that backcourt and how, how how far they can take them. And I'm probably, uh, I'm of the belief that un- until Evan Mobley emerges as the best player on that team, I'm not looking at him as a championship contender yet. I just, I, my mind is just, on a big or a wing that can really take you to the next level. And I just wanted to ask you just what you think about how far a team can go with small guards leading the way, but also um, where is Evan Mobley and his development? And is he going to be able to (laughs) emerge as the man when you got two guys who have the ball as much as those two guys do? Totally. It's, it's a really big question, especially early on, um, you know, especially with Evan, like his offensive production wasn't great that first stretch, but then, you know, JB had to remind everybody of, Hey, he missed all the preseason. Yeah, so yeah. these first couple of games of the season were like his preseason and still trying to find that rhythm of how to play with Donovan. Darius was out. So it, it changed the lineups and everything, but 
what I thought was really interesting and I think is going to be really telling this season is JB said during pre touring camp that like Evan is the guy that will take them to the next level. So, you know, you have already three all-stars on that, on that starting in that starting lineup. And then, but they see Evan as that guy that will take them there. So I think, I think we saw such um, like last season, like him coming in his rookie year, just kind of being so impactful so early on, on both ends of the floor was kind of surprising, but he found his way. And I think he's just going to grow in that. And this summer was really important for him and just kind of building on the work that they have done, you know, working on his three point shooting. And um, I think, you know, I think he's still sort of trying to find that rhythm of what this sort of looks like when you have so many offensive threats in this starting lineup with Darius, with Donovan, with Karis, you know, Evan on, and Jarrett, you know, like this whole, off, this whole lineup has a ton of potential on the offensive end. And so I think it, they're still working through figuring out how, what this all looks like, but he's the guy that's going to take them there. Um, and I think that's really interesting just because of his versatility, you know, he can do so much, he like on the offensive end, on the defensive end. And so he's a really important piece. So his growth is really important this year. Um, but to your first point about small backcourts, I think for the Cavs specifically, I think what's really going to be telling is, um, like the buy-in. And I think it was interesting because when Donovan got here during his first, his like first presser, and then also during media day, he talked about like how he didn't want to let down what the Cavs had done, like built on the defensive end. He saw what they had done. Um, he knew that they were a defensive minded team, that this was their identity and he didn't want to be the guy that like brought down their defensive rating. And so there was an extra effort there on his end. And he was saying like, as well, like because of all these offensive threats, because, you know, like in Utah, he had to do so much on the offensive end that honestly, like, it was tiring. So going back and trying to play really hard on the defensive end was, was difficult. So now because there's all these offensive threats, it sort of alleviates some of that pressure in a sense. And so he can have that energy and the conditioning that he did over the summer is also really helpful and has has um, paid off early on that he can come back and, you know, be that defensive presence um, and, like, in the backcourt. And so I think, I think it's possible. Um, I just think it's a lot of it is about just kind of this willingness, this intensity, this kind of understanding of like, this is something that's important, especially to this team. Yep. So I'm going to go play defense and I'm not going to let my guys down. Yeah, I Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I do, I do wonder how you and other people in Cleveland read the tea leaves with Donovan because with LeBron kind of always hovering over the franchise and his leaving twice, yeah. right? I'm sure everybody yeah. <laughs> is on pins and needles trying to figure out how do we keep Donovan happy? And so how do you kind of gauge that, you know, day in, day out? I know you don't want to, you're not going to ask him after every game, are you leaving? You know, you're not going to do that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. But how do you gauge kind of where he's at and how he's evaluating it? Yeah. I mean, Truly, I think how I evaluate is I, I, I really do watch like the interactions between guys, you know, the way that he just like he talks with coaches or he talks with, you know, the other 
other guys on the team. And they're just these genuine interactions where they're, because they're the same or, you know, they're similar ages. Um, Donovan's an older, yeah. older guy, but not really because he's 26. So like, it's not that old. Right? Um, but like, there is just kind of this, this camaraderie there and this kind of this friendship. And I think that really is playing a huge factor is, you know, Donovan's ego for lack of a better word, like isn't, didn't come in and was like, um, sort of take over, you know, he came into a team knowing where the had multiple all-stars. It had guys like Darius and Jared and Evan and Kevin, and, you know, all these guys that, that are really big pieces of this team. And he wasn't going to come in and just take over. And I think that sat well with a lot of people of like, he wasn't coming in and just taking over the team. Yeah. You know, he was coming in to be a part of the team and um, that is really playing off and, you know, kind of the seamless fit, I think so far of, of chemistry, of camaraderie, of true genuine like friendship. And I know that like sounds kind of silly, but like, I think <laughs> like we see it on the floor of like, they just like the bench is always going like bonkers. Like every time, like somebody like, you know, Donovan dunks or like somebody dunks and there's just kind of a, 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 a true like appreciation and like wanting to see everybody succeed. And I think that like is playing into their favor really well. I wanted to ask you about uh, JB, you know, because he's a guy that, you know, been watching for a long time. He was the interim in Houston. He didn't really get a fair shot there. He was in Memphis for a year and a half, but they were rebuilding and he wasn't really given a chance to build it. He was just there just kind of, you know, babysit until they got John Moran. <laughs> but <laughs> but now he's now he's in a situation in Cleveland where um, they've given him the pieces. You know, um, he had a rough first year, but then they get Mobley, they get right there. And now when they make a trade like this for Donovan, you're basically saying it's go time. Like we're not sitting back and just we're not a play-in team. We're trying to, you know, get to the playoffs, win a, at least win a series. Like we're trying to, you know, revive basketball. How do you think he's handling that? And, you know, I go back to just Sunday against the Lakers, you know, when they handed him the, the chain, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it seemed like the guys really are rallying behind him and they – um, are connecting with him. Um, how do you think he's handling it? And how do you think the guys are connecting with him um, as he's, as he's figuring it all out with this yeah. team? So I was going to bring up that's, that was, that's exactly the moment that I think of because JB um, has always talked about like with the guys having a level of transparency with them. So, you know, like they have real honest conversations and they talk very constantly with, he talks with all the guys constantly and keeping it, open, keeping it honest, keeping it transparent has allowed him to build these really strong relationships with these guys. And a lot of it too, is about the relationships, not the basketball, you know, like, and, and that's what JB really prides himself on. And this coaching staff, I would say in general too, like they care about these guys as people, you know, it's not just basketball. It's not just, we got to go win this game. That's the only thing we're focusing on. Um, it's, it's all of the elements of being a human. And I think that element that really plays into their favor because these guys believe in him. They can trust in him. They can like, they can have real conversations with him. You know, they joke around like he is a, he is a player's coach where he understands his guys. He can connect with the guys. And that translates really well because there is now like they, they have full trust in him, you know? And, and so they follow him wherever, yeah. wherever they, wherever he leads them. He's. And so I think that moment of him giving or the, them giving him the junkyard dog chain was really telling of like, they truly do believe 
in JB and where they can lead him, you know, through the ups, through the downs, you know, they've, you know, the couple of years, that first year when he took over, um, through COVID, like, and just kind of the struggles of building this, but they've seen the payoff of one, you know, focusing on the defensive end and the, and how it's paying off, but also just this, this care about people, um, I just think has really has really played into his favor. And so the guys truly do believe in him and trust in him. And and that has also translated really well with the front office as well. And, you know, there's, there's a belief there, him and his, his relationship with Kobe is, is um, Kobe Altman is really important and something that has, um, you know, played a factor in this because of, again, the transparency there, the conversations that happen there, um, you know, they, they talk all the time. And, and so it's not a, I mean, yes, Kobe is obviously, you know, above him, but like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship that, um, they work together and in building this team and everything. And so I think it, I think he's handled it well, you know, he's handled the ups (laughs) and the downs and the rough years, but there's been a, just a belief behind it. And now we're seeing the results of that work of just kind of that, like, this is what we're going to look like and this is what we're going to do. And now it's paying off. You mentioned Kobe Altman, the GM, and I'm 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 fascinated by this as well because you know Kobe had to replace Dave Griffin, who won a championship there. You know, and obviously it was LeBron and a different team and everything, but still won a championship, and had to kind of come in and rebuild it on the fly. And what I'm fascinated by is how he has done that with a very kind of strong-willed owner and and Gilbert, let's put it that way, how he's kind of handled that, uh, that rebuild. Now it's gone well, but you still have to take it down first and, you know, take two point guards in successive drafts and people didn't know what he was doing and couldn't figure it out. And how has he been able to handle that kind of internal angst of how long is this going to take to rebuild? Yeah. I think it's been really interesting because, like you said, like it, they had to rip it all down. And so, and they, and, but I think what was interesting is from the get go, they talked about how they were, how they were going to build this through the draft. And so, and they kind of just, Kobe kept um, reiterating that over and over again of like, we're building this to the draft, we're building this to the draft. So each year, all those draft picks and then those couple, you know, those the trade for Jared Allen, um, honestly, the, in going back of like the trade for, when they traded Jordan Clarkson, you know, there was, there was inter- in- incremental trades throughout the past couple of yeah. years for second round picks or, you know, just like pieces that they ended up moving that got them to this point where they got Jarrett, where they got Donovan and that kind of all sort of laid this, this groundwork. So I think um, the outside noise has been a lot more mm. um, than maybe the internal noise because there is, there was this kind of um, long-term plan that they all, hoped was would come to fruition and i think what was really telling was when kobe got his extension um i can't i'm blanking on when it was but it was recently (laughs) um and like just kind of this belief in like okay this is this is working we're getting somewhere because he was like i think one of the first gms to get an extension um and that that's a big deal in cleveland and so you know he's he's here through the long term they believe in what this plan is and the success and how it's playing out so far. And so I think there's a lot of belief behind what Kobe's building and, you know, it's, we're taking the, it's, they're taking the steps forward in it. Um, and they're making progress. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I, I like. You mentioned the players trust in JB. I also can say Kobe has some too, because 
he 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 made his trade for Donovan Mitchell, and um, I got want to. I'm intrigued by what's going on with him in Cleveland, but also what's going on with his former team. Because you, usually, when you're an All Star and you get traded, you just expect your old team to just bottom out. And then you're like, oh, you miss me. Don't you miss me? But they're like number one in the West without him. Like, it's crazy. I, I, I know it's got to be. I mean, I know he, he's probably just trying to move on and build what he has. But I'm sure Parham's looking back like, hold up, man. Like, <laughs> how are y'all doing this without me? You know, like, like where, have you spoken? I mean, has he mentioned in Utah at all? Is he trying to keep them in the rear view? Or like, how do you think he's reacting to the fact that um, the team he left behind is is actually not as bad as we all thought they'd be? Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I haven't I haven't specifically asked him about it. Um I'm but I am curious, especially um I was actually having this conversation with somebody the other day of like, wow, actually both teams really worked out well in this trade. You know, usually like obviously like you said, when you trade an all-star, like one team works out really well and the right. other's gonna go tear down and start over. But I mean the pieces that like like Colin's playing really well and Larry Market is playing really well and you know, so you're they're having this success and I think it's worked out really well for both teams. Um, and you know, they're both reaping the benefits of the trade versus just like one team and the other team bottoming out. So, um, but I haven't asked, I'm curious. I'll have to add that to my list to, <laughs> to talk to him about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. No, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah it's, it's legit. Cause it's, it's like, it's like you break up with your girl and you look yeah. over and you're like, hold up, man. Wait. <laughs> that, that dude, that dude got a lamp. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I guess I'm, I'm happy okay for him. <laughs> <laughs> so did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement you can still have an ira Robinhood has the only ira that gives you a three percent boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood gold but get this now through april 30th Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a three percent match that's right no cap on the three percent match Robinhood gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their ira with a three percent match this offer is good through april 30th get started at robinhood.com slash boost subscription fees apply and now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Uh, Mike had mentioned Evan Mobley, and um, and this is this is what fascinated me. So when 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 uh, Wembenyama came uh, over to Vegas and and just blew everybody away, I've been asking people in the league for the last month and a half, like, is there anybody in the league? That you would that you would trade for Wembenyama, and you know most people would be like, "Well, I guess 
I probably wouldn't trade Giannis, but other than that, everybody's like, everybody's up for And the one guy that surprised me, that this guy that I really respect, who knows this backwards and forwards, said, I probably wouldn't trade this guy, was Evan Mobley. He said, I just think Evan Mobley's going to be a superstar in this league. <laughs> like he's yeah. going to wow. be an unbelievable superstar in this league and I wouldn't trade him. And so I just wonder what, how internally they think they're going to handle that reckoning. Cause it's going to be a reckoning at some point to Michael's point, this team has to become Evan Mobley's team at some point relatively soon, probably for them to be the best version of themselves. Totally. And I think, I think there's a, there's a recognition of that. They know the potential that Evan has. And so they are, you know, it's, it's, it's been a focus since honestly, since he, they drafted him last year, you know, they're like, okay, how do we get Evan to be the best version of himself? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it last year was just about his comfortability in the league. You know, that first year kind of going through this, the, the adjustment of playing in the NBA, playing against guys that are, you know, different age ranges and, and playing that position. And he's, you know, skinny. So like playing against guys that are like, that are bigger than him and how does he handle that? But he handles it really well. And um, this, you know, this year, a lot of it is about, okay, how do we grow his game? How do we have him be a, um, a three level scorer? So how we grow his, his perimeter shooting. Like that's a really big point of emphasis. And last year, um, the assistant, assistant coach, Greg Buckner told me, like, he was like, we believe that like Evan's three point shooting is going to be like the, like it's such a, a key piece to his game to grow, to be a complete player. Yeah. And so it's been a point of emphasis and it continues to be And you know, he takes them sometimes he's a, like, hasn't taken a ton so far this season, but it's, I think having that threat in his game, it doesn't necessarily be, need to be the huge aspect of it, but the threat of it is really important. But there is a true understanding of how important Evan is to their success. And so, you know, they, I think right now, it still is a little bit of, of figuring out this offense of like, okay, how do we fit all of these pieces together and how Evan fits in this? But they truly do believe like he is the piece that will take them where they want to go. So there's a lot of emphasis on his growth, on helping him reach that potential, you know, and, and, and succeed. And there's also a, um, a will from him too, you know, I think he won't say it because he's very even keeled. And, um, but I think, you know, the not winning rookie of the year last year kind of lit a fire in a sense, you know, and, and because he was playing so well and was had like when he, when he got injured, we saw how that affected the Cavs so much, you know, and, and so not winning it. And then, you know, that, that kind of was like, okay, wait, I am this guy. Like, and, and everybody in the Cavs organization believes he's the rookie of the year. They still say that like to this day, you know, and um, they just believe how impactful he was on both ends of the floor and how it led them to success. And they, they see that as like such a, um, and that's the element that's going to take them further. So um, it's internal growth a lot, you know, and just continuing to grow his game, the comfortability factor, but coming into the season, you know, like he said, he felt he was comfortable because he knew the offense, he knew the defense, he had a year under his belt. Um, he had the summer, you know, coming into training camp. And so there was just a, a sense of like, I know, like, I know what I'm doing yeah. <laughs> and now I can just build on it. And I think that's important for him of versus, you know, your rookie year, you're like, I don't know what's happening. And you're like trying to figure everything out versus now you're like, no. I have an idea. Like, I know this team. I know what's expected of me. I know what my role is. And I can just build on that. 
you know, if I go back to 2014 and I look at that Cavs team that was just beginning to take four trips back, you know, consecutive trips to the finals, they had LeBron James, one of the greatest all-time, about to be the all-time leading scorer. They had Kyrie Irving, who was just a blossoming young star. And they had Kevin Love, who was just traded from, from Minnesota. Now, if I look at that roster then, I would have been like, Kevin Love would be the first guy gone from this team. <laughs> there's no way Kyrie's leaving. There's no way LeBron's right. leaving. And if Kevin if Love Kevin, is and if not LeBron leaves, it's, it's Kyrie's team now, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, and the minute LeBron, like the minute LeBron's gone, Kevin Love's got to go yeah. too. <laughs> but he stayed, and he's still there. And seven or eight years later, not only is he still there, but he's on better teams than Kyrie and LeBron. <laughs> so. What can you say about just? I have to write that. Why is I might why, have to write a story? Is, that's pretty good. You can have yeah, it, but, yeah. but why? Why? Why is Kevin Love still there? <laughs> what is it about Cleveland that he's, you know, felt like he's got to be entrenched there and stay there? Because um, I remember last year, there's like I thought that he would get bought out, or they were just like, mm. there's no future for him here. Like he's he's got to go to a team that's ready to win. How can he be in this rebuilding situation? But Cleveland is clearly beyond whatever we thought they were going to be, and they, they're moving faster than we thought. But how, how is Kevin taking all this? And like, do you think part of him is a little bit shocked that he's still there? I I would assume so. I mean, I think especially with how young this team got to, you know, he's they they jokingly call him Grandpa Kev, which I think is hilarious because he's 30, 33, 34. Right. You know, I'm like, yeah. not that old. <laughs> but I think he's got the grays. I can see why the grays. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I think last year really was was such an influential year for him of they you know resetting an expectation of what his role would look like the conversations he had with JB and the coaching staff about hey we're going to bring you off the bench we're going to in fewer minutes but we want you to be really effective in those minutes and that was his goal last year and I think seeing how successful he was in that specific role allowed him to buy into it you know, he like JB talked about it a ton last year of Kevin's sacrifice constantly, you know, and and his and his sacrifice to give up minutes to give up, you know, a starting job uh, and like to to a rookie to Evan. Um, but the buy in and just and the willingness to do what was best for the team allowed JB to ask that of other guys on the team. And it sort of helped, you know, uh, build that. And last year. Kevin only missed games for when he was out in health and safety protocols. And one of his goals was to be the healthiest, like as healthy as he could be and to play in as many games as possible. And I think, you know, his, his role change allowed him to do that. And then, but in those minutes be so effective and that, you know, created a, it allowed him to be comfortable in that role. It allowed him to play with, with joy and with just this, you know, enthusiasm. And he talked about last year, how he was like, had so much fun on that, that team and, and it, you could see there was just a different light in his in him himself, you know, in, in the way that he played. And I think that's translated a lot to this year, too. You know, similar role, obviously. Um, but just, again, the the camaraderie, the willingness to play in the role that he's he has, but to then be so effective, be that veteran presence in that role has just kind of allowed him to buy into it and like and be successful. And I think that, you know, being successful, being healthy, um like seeing all of those like re him reap the benefits of those those changes allows him to continue to buy into it to be, and to take on that role and so 
Um, I mean, yeah, I think it was kind of funny during, you know, uh, media day. It was like, I can't believe I'm still here. And you're like, yeah, it's been, you know, nine, eight, nine years, you know, right. and it's still there. Yeah. And, um, but he's just, he, he continues to buy into what JB, you know, is preaching his relationship with JB is really important in all of this too. Um, his relationship with JJ outlaw is really important. So, you know, with the, with and other members of the coaching staff. And I think that has just played a really big factor, um, just in his overall, you know, presence on the team, this resurgence in a sense, um, and, you know, just staying, staying apart and true to this team. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, um, let's let you get out of the airport because you've been a good sport (laughs) waiting for so long. But I have to know this. I haven't been to Sacramento in a couple of years. So the last time I – well, when I went, both of you were in elementary school when I used to go to Sacramento a lot (laughs) – but you would go to Ruth's Chris. That's where you go to have dinner because that's pretty much all that was available downtown. The only restaurant. So I'm wondering what 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 do you do now on an off night in Sacramento? Where where's where's the spot to get something to eat, or is there a theater? Or is there what do you do? I it's been a while. I I don't know. Well, that's a great question because I've only been here once before then yeah. two with two years ago. So I have absolutely no idea. So that's my job tonight is to figure out where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. And uh, honestly, I might end up just sleeping because I've been up since 3 30 in right. the morning. Early so flight. Yes. <laughs> might be right. So it might be an early night for me, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious. I kind of want to explore Sacramento a little bit. Cause like, like the last time I was here, like I said, I think I was here for like, not even 24 hours, you know, so it was like a quick hop in the, in the, uh, trip. So this was a little bit longer, so we'll see. Can, Mike, <laughs> can I keep it real for a minute? Yes. Yeah. You see, see this shirt. Yes, see what it says yes, here? yes. That's Kansas city. It's the monarchs. It's not the Kings, right? right? Where I was, had the team stolen from me when I was a little child. <laughs> and so I, I, I do not like Sacramento. <laughs> I've had some very bad experiences just being in Sacramento. And when I was on the beat and I covered the team uh, to cover the Wizards or anything else, um, I tried to stay away from Sacramento. I would stay in Oakland or San Francisco and drive up in and out because I did not, I did not want to contribute to the Sacramento economy. Oh wow! I did not want them to have my money. Some trauma here. And 
Oh, big time, man. Like my team, they stole, they stole I was a little kid and I'm sitting here and I'm like, wait, why are they leaving? Wait, they're going where? And I remember the first time when they played in Arco, right? You remember yes, Arco? I do. I the, new, the, new, the new arena is nice. I, I will say it's a very nice looking new arena. They got the downtown there. They got little restaurants that are near, near the arena. So you might probably can hang out downtown by the arena. I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm not telling anybody to stay in Sacramento. You're not ever going to hear that All from right, me. So I'll just get it. Let, um, I'll just glitch. But the first time, the first time I drove to Sacramento, yes. and I pulled up to, around Arco, it, you know, it's the opposite of how Donovan would feel about Utah. I was looking at like, this is who you left me for. <laughs> this is who you left me for. That's amazing. I was crushed, and then I said, I'm, I'm not staying here. And in in my first night at the hotel, I stayed. I stayed in the hotel, and uh, I remember my first game there, and I drove to Lake Tahoe because I didn't want to really would be there. So I drove back from Lake Tahoe, and that night I had bed bugs. <laughs> and oh, I said, no. Sacramento, see? <laughs> this is why I don't like you. And it's been like that ever I, since. I think I think Kelsey and I both should get $500 for the therapy session we just put you through. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. I, I, I just, I had, when I hear Sacramento, I, I, I get triggered. Uh, yeah. I, get triggered. <laughs> I guess so. Kelsey, thank you very much for joining us. It was wonderful seeing you, wonderful talking to you about the one of the really fun teams in the league and off to a great start. Mike, thank you for jumping in, my man. Uh, oh, for sure, man. It's always good to for catch pitch up with hitting you. And, and it was great to see you both. Safe travels to you. Yes. Again, y'all better have voted or I'm going to be angry with you. We're out. I did. Oh, yeah. I definitely voted. <laughs> Don't <for> worry. Sure. <laughs> Got no choice. You got to do the five-star thing, DA. I, well, Marcus does the five-star uh, thing. I'll do it. I, I got the response. Okay, I got it. All right. I'm told I have to do the five-star thing, which is going to be hard to do when Marcus isn't actually here. But what we always say at the end of the show is leave the five-star review on Apple, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you get this fine American podcast. And then I say, Marcus, if they can't leave five stars, what should they do? Keep it to yourselves, you hater. Uh, I'm not sure what they should do, but if you don't do it, you're going to get bed bugs. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. 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 Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.